usually starts his sermons with a song, but this week he asked the worship team to lead those songs. So they're a little bit throwbacks, um, but if you know it, you guys can be seated, by the way. And if you know these songs, please sing along. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. And if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. We got one more. one more. This is this is going back. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love. in my heart. How many of you remember singing those songs, either you or with your kids? Come on, that's right. They were awesome songs. My name is Ed Hires. I'm one of the pastors here at Shiloh Community Church. I want to welcome all of you that are listening in online. And by the way, if this is your first time listening in online, would you please raise your hand? Raise your, that's it, get them up. I don't see those hands, get them up, that's good. All right, so if you're new, if you're listening on Facebook, you can go on to the comments and say, I'm new. We'd like to greet you. Be a number of people listening in, uh, doing comments. Uh, Please, only positive comments to the message. Not negative, thank you very much. Um, So, the name of our message today is Joy Poloi. All right, now that doesn't make any sense to most all of you, but I will explain that later on. So those songs we just sang, guess that, that first one, if you're happy and you know it, published back in the early 50s, okay? Unfortunately, when I was born. And the second one, Joy in My Heart was the title. That was published back in 1925, long before I was born, thank goodness. Um, So here are the lyrics. We didn't put them up there, but the first couple says, If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands or stomp your feet. And then the second song says, I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy, I have the love of Jesus in my heart. So you say, what does that have to do? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today in our message. And that is the whole difference between this word happy and this word joy. Because a lot of people think, well, they're basically the same, and they could not be more different. So we're going to talk about that today because it's important. So happy, what does happy mean? Well, I always like to look up definitions. So that definition is favored by luck or fortune, okay? And, and you may think, what does happy look like? Well, here's what happy looks like. Okay, that is my son, Ben, and my grandson, Josh. Okay, so let me tell you the story about this. You see the fish. So 
we used to rent a cabin as a family like 30 years ago. And we rented it for a number of years in a row up on the lake. It was called Lapping Waters. And we would go up there. Well, my daughter calls me last week, and I knew she was going to be running a place on the lake. One of the places they wanted fell through. And she found online Lapping Waters, the camp we we rented years ago. And she said, Dad, it was booked up, but they canceled one week, and we think we can get that week. So they did. So we got in my boat, and we motored over to show Josh and Emily, my granddaughter, what this place looked like and where their aunt would be going to. So uh, we get there, we show them that, they're all excited. And I tell Josh, my grandson, the story about how Ben and I, when he was a little boy, just about his age, we would go there and we would go fishing at this buoy not far from this uh, particular camp. And we would always catch fish. And so as I'm telling the story, Josh says, hey, Poppy, can we go? Can we go catch fish there right now? And it just so happened he had his... uh, his little rod and reel, as you can see it there on the boat. And, you know, it's middle of the day. We're not going to probably catch any fish. Ben and I used to go early in the morning, late at night. We always caught fish there. So I said, sure, Josh. I'm not sure the likelihood of catching fish, but yeah, we'll go do that. So we go there. We anchor up where we were drifting. I can't remember. And little Josh, he can cast now, casts his uh, line out, gets it in there. Ten seconds later, woof, he, he gets a bite and he brings in this fish. Now, you have to understand something. Up to now, Josh's biggest fish was a little sunfish. He fishes around the dock where I keep my boat. Never caught a fish like this. And he looks at me and says, Poppy, this is my first legit fish. So that, was, that is what happy looks like. And from that point on, guess what? Josh always wanted to go fishing for the next couple of days. And where do you think he wanted to go fishing? That same spot. And what do you think we said? No, we weren't going all the way back there. And guess what? Happy went to sad, which is one of the problems with happiness. We'll get into that. Now, joy, on the other hand, here's what that is defined. That word is defined as a source or cause of delight and the prospect of possessing what one desires. Okay, so being happy normally does not have a future characteristic. You could look for something in the future where you want to be happy, But most of the time, that's not something that is specifically a part of happy, but it is the part of joy. And joy doesn't need a specific date, a specific time, or even a specific event. And and let me give you an example that I think will make some sense. All right? If you have a child, some of you you can identify with, some of you can't, but you'll understand. So if you have a child, and let's say the child is in sports, and they play soccer, and it's three to three, multiple seconds only to go, and your child is the one that kicks the winning goal, does that make you happy or what? Come on. I've been there. Okay? And if they miss the goal, yeah, not happy. Not happy. I remember, sorry, Ben. Ben missed one one time. We were coming off the, and I know what good fathers are supposed to do, but I said, I can't believe you missed that goal. Not ideal, I'm going to tell you. Sorry, Ben, I know that was scarring, but because uh, he's probably watching right now. So, but you may be happy when your kid kicks the winning goal or sad if he doesn't. But let me tell you, no matter whether my kids thrilled me or totally disappointed me, I always have had joy in them. I've always had joy in my kids. I don't care what they do. 
I find joy in the miraculous life that I was able to, to have a part in creating, and they're my kids, and I joy over them no matter what. Okay, so this first definition of joy, the cause of being delighted or having delight, actually, biblically speaking, is not correct. Actually, what it should be is just the opposite, that joy is in the source of being delighted. Delighted is the source of joy. And we're going to talk about that. So here's what the scripture says in Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I would submit to you that the desires of your heart, when you get them, will bring joy to you. All right? So, so it says, take delight in, the, delight in the Lord, and then what comes? So as we learn to delight in the Lord, as we worship him, spend time with him, he gives us the desires of our heart. Now, how can you not see that as such a joyful thing? And sometimes, guess what? We think we know the desires of our heart. We think we know what we want, but we really don't know what we want. So let me tell you an example, a story about this very thing. So I, years ago, I had a woman come up to me after a service, and she looked you know, depressed and just, you know, all kinds of just looked like the weight of the world was on her shoulders. And she said, would you pray with me? I said, absolutely. What can I pray with you for? She said, well, my husband is a long distance trucker. And every time he leaves to go out on the road, I am so sad and so afraid because he drives long distances it's a dangerous job. He's not young anymore. He's got to unload stuff. I'm just fearful that he could die or become seriously injured in what he does. And I said, sure, I'll pray with you. She said, pray that God would take him out of this job and give him a job where he could be local and I wouldn't have to have this, all this worry and concern. I said, sure. So we prayed, prayed that God would do this. Now, I didn't see her for months, weeks, probably a couple months. And then I see her, she comes to one of the services, I spot her, and she's laughing and talking to people, totally different look than the last time I had seen her. So I go up to her, I said, hey, Marge, good to see you. She says, oh, Ed, good to see you too. And I said, wow, you're really happy. I said, apparently God got your husband out of long distance trucking and he's doing something else. And she said, oh, oh no. She said, actually, he's driving more than he ever has. He said, but you know what God did? He took the fear away. And I thought, oh my, isn't that just like God? See, she thought the desire of her heart was take him off the road. God knew that the real desire of her heart was that she wouldn't be fearful and she wouldn't be worried. And, and she just said, I have such joy now. I have such joy because I'm so excited that God took that away from me. So, Back to our scripture. The other thing, it says, what is it? Well, what does it mean to delight? Let's, let's go there. So here is what the, what the Bible, well yeah, this is what the Bible says. This is a actually biblical definition of this word in the Hebrew, this word delight. To be happy about, to take exquisite delight, and to make merry over. Okay, so I like, to, I like you know, examples that people can understand. Sometimes when you say, hey, delight in the Lord, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. But, but I want to give you an earthly example. Now, I obviously thought I could use my wife uh, because obviously I delight in her. I have a close, intimate relationship with her. Um, 
But I thought, that's obvious, all right? So here's what I'm going to do. I use somebody else in the, uh, in the group, and that is uh, Greg Vaccaro, one of our pastors here. So I'm going to do that, even though he, he had to hear this in the first service. He didn't like it then, so probably will like it less now. Um, so using the definitions from above, I want to kind of put this in perspective. So am I happy about my relationship with Greg? Yeah, absolutely. Greg is a close to your friend of mine. I don't know about you, but I can't have a lot of close to your friends. There's not enough time. So, so those friends are valuable. And the fact that I can be in Greg's life and be a close personal friend of his, that's a privilege to me. He's very unique. I respect him greatly. You know, it's easy to say that I actually delight in this. Now, I did think exquisite delight sounded a little too hinky. So I just, we'll go with delight. I do delight in this relationship. And, and I do make Murray over him. I talk to people if I have the opportunity or if he comes up in conversation. And I tell others that really, great guy. So if I look at these definitions, I absolutely find delight in my relationship with Greg. But here's a question, and this is where I want to tie it back to what we're talking about today. And, and that, here's the question, how did I get there? How did I build a delightful relationship with Greg? Well, here are some things I would submit are, are a part of that. First of all, I heard about him before I actually met him. And I heard people talk about him, and I thought, wow, those are really good things. Sounds like a good guy. So that was number one. Number two, after I had met him and watched he and his family actually interacting and how he interacted with others, I found that the things I'd heard were true. So that was really good. But, but what happened after that is we started spending some time together for a number of different reasons. And, and it was obvious to him that I liked his friendship, wanted to be part of his life, but it was obvious to me that he wanted to be part of my life too. And Greg always was there and is there and will be there when I need him. And, and he, I believe, feels the same way about me. There's a consistency in this relationship, and it's one we both can rely on. Now, how did that all occur? Because I got to spend lots of time with Greg over the years. We were involved in a lot of things where we were in leadership similarly. We partnered together on things. I was consistently, or a lot of hours in, it, with Greg, and I got to see over and over again the integrity that he had and what a help he was in my life. So I would submit to you that if you want to learn to delight in the Lord, it's right here, okay? Most times before we start, before we accept Christ, before we start walking with God, we hear about him from somebody. We hear good things. And then as we become a Christian and we press in, we find out he really is all that we heard he was. We then start spending time together. They bec- we become part of each other's lives. He's always there when I need him. And this is the key. As this develops, the time that you spent with him in building this relationship has to continue on now that you have the relationship. See, We're going to look at another definition now of of the word joy, and that is a source or cause of delight. We covered, now we're going to do the prospect of possessing what one desires. There's a real key scripture in this in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
It says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we have a key part of understanding this word joy. It says, for the joy set before him. See, there's a future always to joy. And it says, because of that joy that he endured the cross. See, Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And he knew what he was going to do as a result of that cross. And he faced that cross with an assurance because he knew he would not only survive it, but he would overcome through it and primarily overcome for you and I. But it was the joy, it was the joy set before him that allowed him to keep going when something horrific was surrounding him. We live in a time today, you and I, we maybe haven't put this all together yet. We're still very, you know, angry, upset, concerned about what we see going on around us. But no one in this room has ever experienced anything like we're going through right now. You can't be old enough to go back far enough, for the most part, for Spanish flu or anything else like that. We are living in unprecedented times. And, and as a result of that, happy is not around as much. I know some people still do things, still happy, but happy isn't around. But joy can always be around. And joy is what sees us through these times of our lives because joy is not brought into our lives. It not, does not grow in our lives the same way that happiness comes into our lives. See, as Christians, we know that we already possess one of the most important aspects of the desire of our heart. Okay, you and I, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have eternal life. We are going to live forever in heaven, and we are going to be with our Father who created everything, his Son, who is our Savior, and the Holy Spirit, who today is the power within us. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and listen to me. You take that for granted, 90% of the people in this room, maybe 98. You don't spend a lot of time thinking about the fact you're going to heaven. You know, Greg and his family are going to New Jersey. All the planning, they're spending a lot of time thinking about New Jersey and White House subs and and Johnson's um, caramel corn and Manco and Mancos and Dippin' Dots and all these things. And my sister, Pat, and my brother-in-law, Dave, they're from New Jersey. They know all these things. Uh, welcome, uh, Pat and Dave. Uh, so they're going, they're thinking a lot about that. But here's the question I want to ask you. You're going somewhere eternally. How often do you think, do you just sit there and think how great it's going to be to be somewhere where there's no sickness, where there's no pain, where nobody takes advantage of you, where nobody criticizes you, where you look better than I look? All right? So do we spend a lot of time in that? I'm going to be honest with you. I had to do this message to realize I don't. But joy comes from delighting in the things the Father has given us, the desires of our heart. Joy comes. You know, the Word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not joy in the Lord. Okay, so hear me out. It's great to have joy in the Lord. 
But as we delight, as we draw close to him, as we meditate on our life with him, God deposits his joy in us. We can joy in the Lord, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. And now we talked about where that comes from. See, happiness is circumstantial. It's good, but it's circumstantial. It always is created by things happening to us. See, happiness operates from the outside in. But with the reality of where we're going and where we're going to be, that brings joy. And joy operates from the inside out. We are living at a time where happiness is at a much lower level than it was four months ago. You know, maybe you've been fine, maybe you've got through it, maybe you're just disappointed, but you've lo- if you've lost a loved one, or if you've gone through severe sickness, if you've lost your job, if you can't hug your grandkids, all the things that we're now living with, happiness is going down at a rate we haven't seen. But... Joy, on the other hand, comes from the inside, as we talk about. It is controlled by our Father who loves us, and as we approach him, as we spend time with him, as we listen for him, we have joy. We don't, it's supernatural. You don't earn it. You don't, you don't develop it. You go to the Lord, and he deposits that in our lives. Happiness happens. Joy is a choice a choice of what and who we will delight in. The disappointment of today is that I delighted and joyed in things I can no longer do. That's not the kind of joy that God gives us. The joy he gives us allows us to go through times like this and we can still joy in the Lord and joy in the blessings that God has given us. Happiness is created by what happens to us Joy is created by what happens in us. Different. Focusing on Christ, what lies ahead? Heaven, joy results from that. But so often, we don't go to that reality. So, let's go back to our title. Joy Poloi. All right, now, I don't know whether you're old enough to remember this, but... Hoi ploi is another term, which I took as my base for joy ploi. Hoi ploi, anybody remember ever hearing that phrase? A couple people, all right. So hoi ploi referred to the masses. That's the actual definition of it is the masses. It's not a negative term. However, when it was used decades ago, it actually was negative. And what it was kind of, it would always be used by the elitists, because they saw the hoi polloi as the common people, the people they didn't want to be a part of. All right? And, and the saying was, don't ever associate with the hoi polloi. All right? So, guess what? One of the first times that I was exposed to the term hoi polloi. Well, it actually was developed, this particular thing that I found, back in 1935 by one of my favorite all-time acting groups. And it was the Three Stooges. They did an episode called Hoi Polloi. All right, so I'll tell you, I know everybody knows the, the, uh, the underlying theme of this, but I'll tell you anyway. So two professors from college 
decide that they can make anybody into a refined gentleman. So they take the three stooges, which were anything but refined gentlemen, and they're going to take some time and make them refined gentlemen. And, and so they do that. And then they're going to have this big formal dinner party to show them off. Oh my goodness, it's hilarious. Because that dinner party doesn't go the way they thought. So you got to look at that. That's very spiritual. And, and so what we see here is, I want to contrast joy polloi with hoi polloi. So, joy polloi doesn't refer or indicate the masses. It actually refers to a few. And joy polloi is in no way elitist. You know, it's a group of people that as you get to know them, everyone wants to be part of that because what they see in these individuals. You know, who doesn't want to have consistent, ongoing joy in their lives? And a lot of people love just to be close to these people. But see, that's us. That's the small group. It's us as Christians. And if that wasn't enough, wait, there's more, there's more. As we act out, as our face shows the joy that we have, and and that's important. What did the song say? I just, I'll change the word from happy to joyful. If you're joyful and you know it, and your life or your face will surely show it. See, when you and I as Christians find that intimate relationship with Christ, which takes time, takes effort, but that is what has, allows God to depo- deposit this joy supernaturally in your life, what happens is, that other people see it. And they want to know how you can be joyful in the midst of the terrible things that might be going on around you. And, and here's what the word says about that. It says, The light in the eyes of him whose heart is joyful rejoices the hearts of others, and good news nourishes the bone." If you will join me this week, I would like to increase my joy, and I would like to encourage you to join me in doing that. You know, regardless of how much or little happiness you have in your life right now, I want to tell you, you can rise above that and be joyful. You see, we can spend some time this week thinking about the fact that we have a guarantee of eternal life. That's amazing. I mean, I love you all, and I I have a lot of things on this earth that I like, but I would give them up tomorrow. No, I'd give them up right now in order to have the eternal life that's coming for me. I think, don't take this wrong, but I think a lot of Christians are going to die and wake up and see heaven and be totally shocked that it's real. I'm just being honest with you. I just, you know, just don't use the Lord's name in vain when you see it. All right. So, Spend some time this week thinking and meditating on who Christ was, is, and always will be. Think about heaven. Think about that. And guess what's going to happen? Your heavenly Father is going to deposit joy in you. And guess what's going to happen? That joy is going to spill over into your face and through your life. Please don't sit out there today and say, I know that, Ed. That's very basic. Trust me, I counsel a lot. It's not basic. 
And it's not something you do once. And it's not something you do when things are, are just going out of control in a bad way. That's what the Israelites did. God calls us to be consistently with him because why? He wants to give you and I the desires of our heart. So if you're a Christian here today, easy peasy. You just start increasing that awareness of who you are, what has been done for you, and where you're going. But if you're here today or you're out there and you've never picked, had a moment where you've accepted Christ, maybe you've been in, you feel indoctrinated into the faith, I want to tell you, know you this day who you'll serve. Make that decision. Make it clear, I know the day that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage you, if you've never made a firm, conscious decision, I'm going to say a prayer right now. And if you're here and you've never done that, or if you're there out in, the, in our uh, online service, I'd like to give you that opportunity. I'm going to pray a prayer, and you just need to agree with me. But then, this is important, you have to tell someone. Romans says that with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what Jesus is saying is, I want you to believe in me, but then I want you to be bold enough to tell somebody else that you believe in me. And you can also, if you're online and you're on Facebook, you can put in the comments, I accepted Jesus. You're telling a lot of people then. All right, so Father, I thank you. Lord, you hear this prayer every time it's prayer. You hear all prayers, but this one is near and dear to your heart. Father, we believe that you sent Jesus. Lord, we believe that he was God, man. We believe, Lord, that he suffered a horrible, horrible death. He died for me. He died for you and anyone here that hasn't accepted you, Jesus. You died for them, but you didn't stay dead. You rose again from the dead so that all of our sins could be forgiven because you took them. You took our punishment that was meant for us. I believe, Jesus, you lived, you died, and you rose again. And today, Jesus, I accept you. I accept you today. Lord, come into my life. Lord, I need that joy that you talked about through your word. Father, help me. Help me today. I ask this, Lord, in, in, my, in now my Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, please let us know. If you're here, come up and, and let us share with you. Keep six feet apart. That's what they say. All right? But come up, and if you're at home, please tell somebody. We'd love to know. Write it in those comments. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Have a great Sunday. God bless.